You're listening to My Shoplifting Catch-22, the podcast that dives into all things fitness, strength, and nutrition related. In this episode, we're talking to Bob Quick. Also known as the Forrest Gump on a bicycle, this 61-year-old has pedaled across America several times, and after 34 heart procedures, he's shooting for one last major ride. Join Dave and Bob as we discuss the risk-reward and Bob's reason to why he's attempting such a bold feat. Welcome to my shoplifting and catch 22. My name is David Edgel. I'm here with Ben Sant. Say hi, Ben Sant. Hi, Ben Sant. And our guest today is Bob Quick, the infamous Bob Quick of Bob Quick's Journeys. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him before he burns our microphone up. Met Bob about half a decade ago. He's a U.S. veteran. He's an endurance athlete. I say that he's a world record holding heart patient with... How many heart surgeries now, Bob? 34, 34 procedures. Bob's died twice. First time he died an atheist and he met God and got sent back. So that's kind of an interesting experience. We may get into, we may not. We'll see how it goes. Bob has ridden across America on a bicycle three different times. Now, it's not a motorcycle. That's the kind with the pedals and the tires and the sweating and the pain. And he's done it. How many people actually finish a ride that they start across America? That you've told the me percentage before. is very low. I think it's like 3%. 3% of anybody yeah. who starts. And you've uh, done it. If three. it was easy, everybody would do it. Okay. So, how many people do you know have done it three times? None. Personally. Oh. But I know that there is guys that have. Okay. Yeah. And over 50 years old? No. No. Okay. Bob is 61? Be 61, yeah. 61, okay. And getting ready for some new adventures right now. Bob, who's the real Bob Quick? Wow. You know, it's what I never really thought. Who is Bob Quick? Uh, Bob Quick's a, a person that cares about his fellow man. Uh, that's my number one purpose in life. Is uh, It's about serving others. That's why I do what I do. I'm a father, grandfather. I'm the guy next door. I hope. Have you always been that guy? No. So I used to be. Uh, tell us a little bit about that guy. Seventeen years ago, when I died, I left that guy. In, I left him way back there. Uh, that guy was ignorant, drug addict. Really? Yeah. What was your poison? Uh, methamphetamine. Now I've heard it said it's about one in ten thousand people are able to walk away from meth straight up. One percent. So, you've done the impossible. You died and came back. So I, I think it's kind of an understatement to say that changed your life. <laughs> it's a uh, whole new life. Definitely changed my <laughs> life. And you know, uh, this probably will sound morbid to some people, but it was the best day of my life was the day I died. So what have you done with that? With my second, third, fourth, thirty-fourth life, I went back to school. I've got a bachelor's, got an associate's. Uh, but more importantly, something I hold very, very dear to me, uh, I'm, L I'm LDS, uh, better known as uh, a Mormon, or uh, as we like to call it, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So when you died... I was told to come back. A drug addict and an atheist, you, <laughs> you met somebody that you didn't think existed, yep. got sent back, mm -hmm. because you've told me before... You have important things to do. Mm -hmm. What shape has that taken? 
What are you when doing? I died and I see my Savior, Jesus Christ, and God, I was told to go back. I had great work to do. Go back, my son. And I did. I remember everything, them working on me. Uh, that's why it's been so documented, Dave. Um, so who was working on you? The, you uh, the doctors, the, the paramedics. Uh, I remember everything and I could replay it. When I started telling them after I came to, after the seven days, they had me at a, you know, art, what, what, what do you call it? The medically induced coma because my heart was so weak, okay? Lower hole, one-third's dead. If it wasn't for uh, Jack Lasseter, who we both do know, yeah. uh, Dr. Lasseter, I wouldn't be here. Uh, he took the chance on a dead man. And like he says, Bob is a bus driver. I drive the bus. I don't ride in it. I drive it. I started telling people what I saw. And everybody's going, what? Then I started telling them what they were saying in the cath lab. And pretty soon the whole cath lab's teary. And Jack asked me what I saw and I told him. And, you know, it's been, it's 100% documented because of the videos in the emergency room. So you were unconscious for 10 minutes before you got to the hospital and then you were seeing these doctors and nurses working on yep. it and then... I even, I even saw the one doctor call time and Jack said, no, he's still warm, I'll take him. And off the third floor we went. If it wasn't for him, I, I wouldn't be here. And it's also because of the ambulance crew that kept working me. They didn't give up. Nobody gave up on Nobody you. Nobody gave up. There's a reason why. You're the first person, from what I understand, the first man from your family to outlive 50 years old. Yes. Is that true? Uh, when I turned 57, I was the oldest one. You're a U.S. veteran. Mm -hmm. You were a bad guy mm -hmm. that got a, a second chance to come back. Mm -hmm. You you actually got to <laughs> see and remember what happened yeah. while you were not here with a pulse and dead and pronounced. What have you done with that? Obviously, somebody took a chance on you. You you got some direction that's shocking me. Uh, what, who's the Bob now? The Bob now is the person that helps other people. I have to pay back what I did as being a bad guy. I was a drug addict. I mean, I didn't go out and steal and burglarize people's houses and stuff like that. I worked to get high, to get high, to get high. Right. But in the meantime, you ignore things. Family, everything else. Things slide. I let everything slide. Now, um, in that 17 years, I've got to do so much. And this is for all the, anybody that's struggling with drug addiction, alcohol. I mean, there's all kinds of addictions. The number one thing is you have to separate yourself from it. Because the people that put their arms around me, okay, after the heart attack and everything, and it was the people you wouldn't suspect that put their arms around me. And you know that. It yep. was our local police, our local fire department. Uh, Later on, I found out why. Because I had a lawn care business, and when one of them was injured, I went and mowed that lawn. I didn't worry about it. I mean, you, even though I was a bad guy, I still gave back. But after this, uh, I just wanted to give back more. You know, I went to culinary school, everything else, and I just loved to cook for people and enjoy it, and I wanted to take it more. So I started cooking for fire department. You know, all over... Weber County, going in and cooking for the Roy, cooking for this one, cooking for that one, cooking up at E, just giving back and out of my own garden. So you're giving back to the first responders. What made you take the leap to right across America? You visit fire departments in the in, in pre-COVID world, you would sleep overnight mm -hmm. at fire departments mm -hmm. where you could. What, I mean, cooking for them, that's, that's amazing. 
but all of a sudden you're going to ride 3,000 miles and shake hands. All the, how did that opportunity first come about? Yeah, what, how, did you, how did you get on a bike? Because I'm just like, you know, <laughs> three times across America, I'm like, suck uh, it, Forrest Gump. Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm just curious. That's how you got that name, Forrest Gump on a bike. I mean, <laughs> you, you've got, so, and Bob, I mean, you're lean, you're muscular, you have this epic beard that I can just imagine on a bike just flowing in the wind. And, and I, we see the Forrest Gump scene. We've seen Tom Hanks running. You know, we see him going through his journey. And as he goes through his journey, he keeps creating impact and people mm-hmm. start following him. And part of the canon of the story is that he's able to resolve other people's problems mm-hmm. and pay it forward, even though he doesn't even realize he's doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. How, how did you go from having a second chance and giving back, cooking for firefighters, having a relationship with the first responders, of not only the ones that directly worked on you, but obviously in the, the populist mm-hmm. quota, but how did you end up getting on a bike? I mean, how did you move from this to that? Well, I've always loved to ride a bike. I remember buying my first bike. I worked on the farm all, all, all uh, summer long, okay, to buy my first bike. Okay, I was 15 years old, and I had a teacher in high school. They rode a bicycle across America. And I remember the snapshots from the Great Salt Lake and stuff. I said, one day I'm going to do that. So you just hopped on a bike and started to ride? Well, actually, I started training for it. I, you know, uh, I'd ridden the, the, you know, up to the college and stuff from Roy. What is that? Four or five miles? Okay, so what? Eight to ten miles a day? I mean, I'm thinking, I'm going to go across America here. I better start training. So I started training. It was... Uh, Right around the end of February, I went down at the gym and I had to have, that's when I had the pacemaker put in. And lo and behold, here comes the fireman again and shock Bob back again. Bring me back again because I flatlined as they were taking me out of the building. Got the pacemaker put in. I figured my life was done. I'd never be able to do that ride. And uh, because of the firefighters, the doctors I had, everything else. And uh, I'll never forget the doctor installed it, Dr. Eifling. He said, Bob, you'll be able to do everything. He says, if I told you there was something wrong with me, would you believe me? I said, look at you. I mean, he really strapping young man every day. He goes, Bob, he pulls up his uh, scrubs and there is a um, sugar diabetes monitor. He says, I've had sugar diabetes since a kid. We can do anything. He says, let me put it in, it'll be okay. I promise. Two days later after he put it in, I got back on the training bike at the gym and started pumping. And within 30 days, I was back on the regular bike, and I was gone, and the rest is history. So what, what year was that? That was in 2013. So this was after you died and got your second mm-hmm. chance. You went down again. Uh-huh. I died a second time. And they ended up putting a biphasic pacer mm-hmm. in you, a pacemaker in you, uh-huh. and two days later, you're back on the bike. Uh-huh. From St. Jude Medical. You rode then in 2013, your second ride. When did that happen? That happened in 2016. 2016. So I got to be part of that. Mm-hmm. You were the instrumental reason. I mean, so uh, I had heard about you, Dave, but you know, I, I was down to what was it? We were down to sixty days. Yeah, well, I, I remember you had a heart procedure, mm-hmm. and and you kind of had everything riding on it. You came to me and said, "I just had a heart procedure. I've got just two months to get my my garbage and gear and to be able to ride all the way across the country." And it turned out you started hard this time. Mm-hmm. You started in the Cascades where it wasn't a matter of a couple of weeks of conditioning before you, you had to push hard. You had to start riding hills real hard in, in the Cascades. So you kind of 
kind of threw me for a loop when we came up with a pretty unique <laughs> way of. Hey, I, I will tell you this much, Dave. There was times that uh, they carry you. You know, uh, they helped me to the truck. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times. And boy, let me tell you, I swore all the way up the road when I couldn't even hardly touch the the brake pedal. You know. So yeah, there was days I left here I hated you, but let me tell you one thing. If so you had a, so there was a sixty day turnaround, Dave. He came mm-hmm. to you with a sixty day window to prep. And, and coming from a training perspective, I think a lot of people would have been like, "Yeah, I'll train you, but I, I can't. You know, I don't know what, what we're really going to do." In Bob 60 sat days. me down, and I saw the fire in his eyes, and I knew he was going to try it with me or without me. So that I had to step up and figure out how to take this crazy, broken down bearded fool from one coast to another successfully because his story was I'm going to ride I'm going to bring attention to first responders I'm going to bring attention to the medical industry I'm going to bring attention to the people that are innovating for heart patients because I can inspire other people so I'm gonna and I thought well you know what I'm not gonna sit in that shadow I'm gonna make make sure that you can do it we came up with this little mantra we were doing 100 repetition leg sets now I don't know if anybody out there's tried doing 100 repetitions of leg press I don't know Dave that it seems is, like a lot of that seems like a lactic it is horrible nightmare. it is horrible <laughs> but I came up with this idea from this uh, group of rock climbers that trained to uh, climb a spire over by K2 in in the Himalayas by bouldering and I thought, you know what? We can get Bob up and over any hill 20 leg strokes at a time. And if he's done at the end of 20, he can stop and take a rest. But I said, Bob, you can do 20 more. And we wrote that on his bike. And he looked down at his panniers as he's riding up and over that hill. And he said, it said 20 more. And he'd take 20 more strokes and realize that he was not dead and he could take 20 more. And he would eat every hill from coast to coast 20 strokes at a time. And then 20 more, and then 20 more, and then 20 more. And it got him up and over the Cascades. It got him here through the Rockies. After that, everything was conditioned and easy, and he just he rode to the other side. So that doesn't just even sound like a functional adaptability, but it sounds like it's a mindset as well. Completely mindset. He had the body, the heart. There wasn't anything we could do for or against it. It was either going to work or it wasn't. He already had the, the cyborg implants. You know, he's part robot. The brain was already there. He's like, I've already died twice. What's a third time? It's just legs. Basically, that's a lot of momentum to get going up a hill. So it's like, okay, we need some strength training on this to be able to to literally tackle that hill. So we did. And we developed this interesting relationship. Bob changed my life in 2016. I had an opportunity to expand my gym, but it was going to be to do things that I'd never done before. Bob sat me down and told me a story for the first time. And then he looked at me and he said... Have you asked for the miracle? And I, it never occurred to me to ask for the miracle. I thought miracles were earned. He said, no, that's a blessing. You earn blessings. You do something, you get blessed for it. Miracles are just because God just wants you to be better than where you're at. And he's, he, he just loves you and wants to give it to you. So just ask. And I, it never occurred to me to do that. And I did that. And I'm telling you, first time that happened and it, it changed my life. Bob going across the country right after heart surgery was a miracle. Most people have heart surgery and then they go sit on a sofa somewhere and wait to die for the rest of their life. Bob said, okay, good. We're up two days later, starts training again. Now we're going to do it again. 
with an additional over dozen surgeries since then. You were around 18 or 19 uh, or something. 16 of six, stents six, there. So, so uh, you're... So I, think, you, I think it's like you, 22 or something like that, 22 or 23 uh, procedures at that point. So you've almost... Not every time they go in, they put in a stent. They'll go in and they'll do what they call angio, which is the balloon. So you've had close to a dozen stents. Putting oh, no. Oh, 20. 20 stents. And if anyone doesn't know what a stent is, I mean, this is... When they basically go in and put a sleeve, it looks like a, a Chinese finger trap that basically pushes the artery open and holds it open so it can flow. Um, so a lot like pipe bursting or pipe sleeving, they go in there and do that. And angio, and angioplasty on there, and they literally go in there and stretch it open and try to break down mm-hmm. the plaque. So 20 of them, total of 34 procedures over your mm-hmm. lifetime. I mean, did they have a punch pass for you? Do they do they have uh, they they give you any coupons? I mean, I would I, I would walk frequent, in. I'm like the frequent flyer of Delta. Okay. I mean, so you have like a con. <laughs> there's a concierge. Like you, you call you call the you, you know you call the the cath lab. I'm like, oh oh, hello, Mister um, Quick. It's good to hear from you again. Uh, we'll have the heated blankets ready for you. I mean, thirty four procedures. Thirty four, and I just had the last one on the twentieth. Bob had a stroke last year. At least one. You had more. Yeah, we had a couple. Okay. Lou, uh, they don't count them as full strokes. They call them what are the TSIs? TIAs. TIAs. Uh, but transient I had ischemic trans, attack. Yeah. Trans global amnesia though, with it. So yeah, it really screwed me up for a little bit. Yeah, it really did. And I, because yeah. of Dave again, here we are again. He said, "Bob, word search, crossword, but jump on in blocks out there." Got balance back where your balance was suffering. Memories, memories coming back because of some stuff you've been doing. Obviously, the support of of Jeremy at Murphy Door helping set up an environment where you can get through to the other side of this. Uh So here's the question now: Now that you're here, why another ride? So to to Ben's point, you've had all the surgeries, you've had all the traumas, you've had all. The doctors, from what I understand, are a little split. Some say, hey, Bob, it's the best thing you can do to go for a ride. Um, others are like, oh, my gosh, you're going to die three strokes into it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I laugh at that when they always say that to me. I just Okay, no. you, you've outlived all of the scenarios so far. So are you in danger? Any no. any more than just sitting at home on your you sofa? Know, I, I could die, Dave, at, just like as at home on the sofa, I could die. Okay. What purpose would that serve? That would serve nothing to nobody. My Heavenly Father has given me this chance. He's given me a wonderful life. He's given me the means to go across America. Okay. He's given me amazing sponsors. This time, where are you starting? Uh, I'm going to finish something. I'm going back okay. to Okalawa, Nebraska. Okay. Okay. And we're going from Okalawa to Lexington, Kentucky, and from Lexington to. Uh, we're either going to punch out at Charleston, South Carolina, or Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Because that's on Bob after uh, Lexington, Kentucky. It's just something I want to do. I want to go all the way to the coast. So this time, you've had some people step up and say, hey, Bob, it'd be a nice thing. First of all, the rules have changed a little bit. You're having harder access to firehouses because of COVID and stuff yeah. like that. So instead of getting a hot meal under a roof, you've had some people step up and put together a pretty cool rig for you. Tell me about what's gone on there. I had a lot of local sponsors uh, come together and we literally took the original old man truck uh, from an 82 year old estate that was one of my neighbors. Uh, and we built an adventure truck 
Oh, I've, I've seen it. <laughs> little extended cab Toyota. It's got new wheels and tires on it. It's got a custom rack for your bikes and your gear. Mm-hmm. New suspension from whatever Everything I see. Everything underneath is all brand new. The whole now, suspension. I haven't even seen the wrap. You've got uh, a brand new wrap Oh, on yeah. It we call Captain America. So this is kind of an interesting time to kick this off. 20th anniversary of 9-11. Mm-hmm. Which, for a lot of our country, they're born after that now. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But here you are literally a product of first responders. You've been given your rebirth not once but twice now. Mm-hmm. And then all of these tune-ups, any one of them could have sidelined you or and worse. Not just, you know, them getting me there the twice that I died. It's, as you know, how many times have I been yeah. taken from Murphy Door because one of the paramedics or one of the firefighters walk into Murphy Door and say, Bob, you look bad. Let's go. Or, Bob, are you okay? You sure? Let's get a monitor on you. Let's get you to the hospital. I mean, I'm truly blessed. That's the big thing with my first responders. So what do you hope to accomplish then with this ride? What are you doing? Everybody needs a thank you. Imagine what these guys have went through. Imagine, not just what they go do on a daily basis and what they have to leave at that fire station or that police station, but especially now going through the COVID and everybody hating, you know, our, our first responders, our police departments, our fire department. For people to hate them and then for somebody to throw a brick through a fire truck? Or nurses work on COVID yeah. shifts and then said, hey, you're going to be let go whether you yeah. get a shot or not. Yeah, I mean, these people need a hug. I like that. Everybody, okay, they everybody need a hug. needs a thank you. Okay, they need a thank you. While we sat in our houses and worried about catching it, they were out there in the front line protecting us. So how can we be part of your ride? How can the people that are listening to you, that follow you on social media, how can they be part of this ride? They can follow, you know, social media. Where you at? What's your CB? My my big thing, Facebook. Bob Quick's journey on Facebook. Come along, enjoy the experience. Uh, Hopefully I can inspire them too. Maybe it's somebody that you know that has a disability that's sitting on a couch going, you know, I I just had four cents put in there. I can't do this. Yes, you can. You can get up. Walk to the door. See the mailbox out there? Walk to it. Do that every day. Pretty soon you can walk around the block. Pretty soon you walk around your city. You know, I ain't not telling everybody to walk across America ride a bicycle. A body in motion stays in motion. That's why I'm not dead. Half of my doctors are going, keep going, Bob. Go, go, go. Okay, because you're setting all kinds of medical records. You're proving that you can go on. Okay, even though you have a disability. Don't do the stereotype where they tell you to go home and sit on the couch. Okay, take it easy, because that's the wrong thing to do. If you sit on that couch, anybody out there listening, if you sit on that couch, what's going to happen is every day you sit there takes seven days to recover from that one day. The chances of you getting up after a week or two are pretty much none. Do you really want your wife and your kids to take care of you, or do you want your husband and your kids to take care of you? Get up, do it. As we say out west, cowboy up. I'm going to tell you, if you don't think that you're going to have any pain along your what, your athletic career, your getting in shape, whatever, even after a surgery, pain's good. Pain means you're alive. Okay, don't try to drown that out. I think a lot of people, and I don't want to say we live in a society of weak individuals, but we have weak-minded individually, yes, and that's what, at the risk of sound callous, I feel like that's what's been instilled in our generations and future generations, is that people aren't willing, as you say, cowboy, people aren't willing to do the work. No, that's exactly and it. I think that's one of the hardest things for people is... A lot of people, if they can't see themselves doing something, they can't see someone else doing something. And so when they see, you know, heroes like you, Bob, prove them wrong and do something, it's like, 
this guy's doing all these things. He's doing them successfully, and he's proving and showing that he can execute at a level that you haven't thought of. So what's holding you back now? 61 years old, riding across the country, 34 procedures, over 20 stents, consistently in and out of heart problems and working with things and consistently overcoming those of challenges and objections. So the challenge that I put out there for people is like, do the work. What is stopping you from getting off the couch and doing something about it? So that's a question I have for you now. People can follow your progress on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Can people come out and ride with you? I would love that. Okay, I would love that. It's a once in a lifetime thing. Come do it. I don't know how much longer I can ride. Okay, I've still got plans, as you know, for a couple more rides. Come, ride with me to your local uh, fire department. Ride with me to your local police department. Show them support. And for those that can't ride with me, do it at your own hometown level. Okay, when you see them fire trucks at that supermarket, contrary to all belief, cities do not pay for their food. That comes out of their own pocket. If anybody knows a firefighter or a police officer, every one of them has a second job because they are not getting paid what they should be. Okay, for putting their lives on the line, being away from their families, everything else. What I ask you to do is the next time you see them fire trucks at that uh, convenience store, I, mean, I shouldn't say convenience, supermarket, pay for that meal. Reach into your pocket and pay for that meal. Pay it forward now before you're in the back of the ambulance. Don't wait to pay it forward then, like I did. Pay it forward now. So how can people help contribute to your journey across the country? What would you like to see happen? Give me a, a thumbs up. Okay, if you see me in a local uh, restaurant or something or a local uh, store, come up and strike up a conversation. I may look big and tough and mean, you know, with the beard and the muscles, but I'm just a big teddy bear. That's all I ask. Well, to our listeners, that's Bob Quick, Catch-22. Thank you for joining us on this episode of My Shoplifting Catch-22. We'll be back with more content showcasing stories, concepts, controversies, and practical application in the athletic and fitness community. For more info, check us out on the interwebs at myshoplifting.com. All content is copyrighted under the Iron Shop LLC.